da 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 You sound insane. You realize that? Yeah. The whole world got crazy. Seriously? It's showtime. For the fourth time in the history of the Mad About Movies podcast, we stopped down the show to talk about a Tom Cruise movie. Yes, the much-anticipated conversation of 2012's Rock of Ages. I mean, I've been waiting all week for this. All year. That, four, that 4K restoration. It is. So many people didn't see it in the theater, which is what... I'm so glad we went back to the re-release. Yeah, yeah you got you have to see it in the theater. We actually mm-hmm. rented out a, a, an Alamo Draft House, actually, screened it yeah. on our behalf. And we were the only ones there, but it was yeah. a great rocking time. Fun. We time. owe them a lot of money, but uh, it was worth it. It was worth it. <laughs> He's great as Stacy Jacks, with two X's <laughs> at the end, by the way. Mm, so you know it's serious. Yeah, yeah. so you know it's good. When, I have been to the... Uh, the Rock of Ages. Uh, I haven't been to the show, but I've hung out. <laughs> this is going to sound so. This is the worst brag of all time. Uh, it's now at the Rio, I think, in Vegas, but it used to be at, I want to say, the Venetian. And they had a big bar. They have a Rock of Ages show there live, and then they have a big bar. And I had a meeting there once, and all. And the floodgates opened, and all the Rock of Ages super fans, along with the cast, came out and just started mm. partying like it was 1984. And so I was talking, I was you, talking to a guy about the merits of the LTE network. <laughs> <laughs> so you're saying you have syphilis? Is what? Is what yeah, it was a rough okay. night. It cool. was a rough night. I was aggressively hit on um, by uh, moms. A, yeah, no, I moms that love the 80s. <laughs> The organic parts of her were probably in their early sixties. <laughs> the f- other non-organic parts of her were somewhere between twenty and thirty years old. Yeah. So, average she's it more, out. About- she's more machine than man at this yeah, point. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> average it out at about forty-eight, but uh, birth certificate says otherwise. Yeah, great night. Rough. It's always my goal every night. Well, um, man, we've talked a lot of cruise on the show. Just going back and looking back at the stuff we've talked about, uh, we didn't talk Jack Reacher. Or Jack Reacher, Never Go Back. Those are the only cruise movies we haven't talked about since the since the show started yeah. that we have not discussed. Um, yeah, but we, we're saving that for trilogy talk. When the when the third one comes out, we'll just binge well, them all no, and be able to give you six no, hours on each episode. We are big James Patterson fans on here, mm-hmm. so we hate. Uh, <laughs> we obviously are in a blood war with whoever the guy is that wrote those <laughs> Jack Reacher books because we're team obviously Team Patterson, right? They're um. I don't think there will be a, a third one. I'm oh. sorry to say. I'm sorry to disappoint, Brian, but I, I doubt there will be a third we'll Jack Reacher. And if there is... I started um, the GoFundMe yesterday. So oh, well, I'm sure that will have plenty of backers. <laughs> Jack Reacher is the best. Uh, I'm sure they're fine. I I, I think... You, we've, I've, I've seen I've Jack seen Reacher. The first, the first one. one's yeah, fine. I've heard nothing but bad things about Never Go Back, mm. and I don't think it made any money. I think it opened up against... Rogue One last year or something like that. <laughs> just really it wasn't awful quite time. that bad. But yeah, it like, did. It did okay overseas. I'm yeah, looking at it. You had to now. save it for Oscar season, though. I mean, they yeah, had to. Yeah. They had no choice but to put it out in the middle right. of Christmas time. Would you? Uh, would you like Chris? to know what it opened against? I've got it. Yes, I've got it right please. here. Ready? Okay. It was number two in its debut weekend, which was wow. October October 21st. Ah, uh, that was close. 
Right behind it, at thir- in third place, was the Ouija board movie, <laughs> Origin of Evil. And at number one, Boo, a Medea Halloween. So it didn't. Oh, I remember that. It didn't even beat Medea. No. And they were like, is Tom Cruise done? <laughs> uh, yes. Yes, he is. <laughs> How dare you? Man, that was oh, a rough. That was a rough top 10. Right beneath that was The Accountant, then Girl on the Train, The Miss mm. Peregrine's Home for Peculiar Children, Keeping mm. Up with the Joneses, a Kevin Hart movie, Storks. Uh, it's, that was I tough. really wish they would get more creative with those Kevin Hart titles. I mean, I get it that they're cynical. <laughs> a but Kevin Hart calling, movie, yeah. <laughs> I'm, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's no a idea. Kevin it's, Hart movie. It sells it's itself. And, I mean, it sells yeah. itself. It's all you need to know. Great. Yeah, I want to open a studio where we just title things really cynically and like, like kind of worn out. Like, uh-huh. that's right. <sighs> it's another Kevin Hart movie. <laughs> Three, <laughs> but then we put everything into the movie. Yeah, it could happen at the rate we're going. It wouldn't surprise me at all. Yeah, but we uh, we've talked in the past. We talked Oblivion. We talked uh, mm. Never Stop. Going back or whatever it's called, live, die, repeat, re- and repeat, <laughs> and yeah. uh, or never go back as Jack Reacher and uh, Mission Impossible <laughs> Rogue Nation because there aren't enough nations. We need a, mm-hmm. we need a Rogue Nation, yeah. mm-hmm. and uh, now here we are with the Mummy, 2017's The Mummy. We mm-hmm. talked a few weeks ago, I believe, about uh, the reboot of Top Gun that's on the horizon here. Top yeah. Gun. Maverick. <laughs> no offense to the Dallas Mavericks, so I'm sure we'll take all Can't, the. Uh, I, I just hope Dirk's can. still playing when that movie comes out, so we can get some kind of cool cameo halftime entertainment. That's all I really care about. Or some video, some viral awesome. video. Yeah, that would or, be great. Yeah, ironically, um, the and I love the Mavericks, but uh, ironically, the Top Gun music and. Uh, Attire less dated than Mavericks merchandise uniforms. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's true. The font not great, guys. Let's switch it up a little. Yeah. What? Well, no, I, I like living in two thousand and two. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I like. It was a great aesthetic time. It was. I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was just all our tastes were on on top of. The, just go back and look at pop music from O two, and you'll. you'll yeah, that yeah, that was know. the prime of American yeah. culture. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna, I'm gonna like, say there. Everything kind of still getting over that Y2K look where everything was like glittery <laughs> yep, and trying to be from the future, but without the ability to really do it yet. Um, no, it's, it was the best time. It was the best. That was the best look. Definitely stick to it for 20 years, I would say. It's a good idea. <laughs> so this movie, well, like he has other options. The Mummy is uh, supposed to be kind of one of the bigger blockbusters of the summer in, in terms of push and anticipation and star power and things like that it was uh it was up there and uh all i i really do think uh, we talked about a few weeks ago again was the fact that all the kind of bigger movies uh came out in april or march they didn't really wait for the summer to come out and this seems to be more of a uh aside from wonder woman it this seems to be more of a you know take a chance kind of a season than you know, being confident in something and, and knowing that it's going to make money in the summer, people seem to be a little bit more hesitant on releasing things in the summer. And this is kind of proof. This is going to be a fun case study tonight on the show uh, about the mummy and its performance and the movie that it became and what it sets up and 
what we're going to anticipate in the future. I'm excited to talk about it, though, uh, a little bit later. But before we do that, speaking of performances, we need to check in and update on the summer movie draft. Mm. It's been a fun time so far, kind of looking back at the summer movie draft and anticipating movies coming out and things like that. Um, For those of you who didn't listen to that episode, we each drafted, I believe, four movies at the beginning of the summer, and we're going to judge them based on box office performance combined with critical um, acclaim, Mm -hmm. and then average it out at the end of the year, and the loser has to do a podcast by themselves with no co-hosts on uh, the movie that we choose, I guess. Is that the thing, or do they choose yeah. the movie? We choose the, the movie. The, okay. winner, the winner gets to choose the movie for the loser to have to do okay. a, a solo episode. That makes sense. Yeah. Okay. So where do we stand right now, Brian? You've tabulated on your Excel sheet. I have. In your, I have, yeah. I love youth. Excel. That's my weekly recommend yeah. is Microsoft Excel. <laughs> um, Got your okay, Abacus now, handy? It, yeah, I do like abacuses as well. <laughs> Anything that keeps me from having to count myself is a is a good thing, mm-hmm. I feel like. So now keep in mind Kent has only had one movie come out of his mm-hmm. four. So the next the next three weeks are gonna be huge for you, Kento, because you've got uh you've got Minions three. No, uh, Despicable Me three, excuse me. I'll give Basically it the respect Minions it deserves. Three. <laughs> Minions four, actually. Me, it makes me so happy that you have that movie on your it's just <laughs> oh, it's so funny. Hey. So you have that, you have uh you have All Eyes on Me coming out this weekend, and then you have Transformers five next week, I believe. So I betrayed gonna, everything I stand for as a person for this draft. <laughs> you did. You really did. It's awesome. And uh, so, so you've got we'll that. See. You've got that coming. Uh, right now, the only movie you have on the charts is Alien Covenant. Didn't perform the way we expected it to at this moment. That movie itself is worth 2.89 points. So oh, you've, wow. got, you've got about three points on the board right now, but you've got all your movies coming. Um, I, have, I have two movies on the board and two movies coming, and i got to be honest, guys, I feel pretty good. I feel pretty good you about like my, 700 points or my standing at this point because I got Wonder Woman with, the last, with my, la- my fourth round pick. Uh, I, I like that. I feel pretty strong about where it's going. So I'm, and then I've got Pirates of the Caribbean, which is underperformed. I was thinking that might get 800 to a billion dollars, and I don't, I don't know that it's going to get there. So that one didn't do so great for me. But I, I'm sitting at about 42 and a half points right now. Um, and then RB, RB had the first pick in the draft. He got mm. the, uh, he got the Guardians of the Galaxy bonus. Like I thought that was, uh, you know, that was the clear favorite to be the number one movie of the summer. Um, but then. It went, it went poorly down the stretch, Richard. It did. Uh, I stand by my picks still. Yeah. It just, do you? Things didn't, wow. Things didn't pan out. I do. I think, you know, sometimes you draft a, a five-star talent, and it turns out he's hooked on meth, <laughs> and, he's, he's, and he's insane. And, yeah. you know, sometimes you got to take those risks, you know? And I stand by, I ride for movie stars, and I thought that the two biggest movie stars in the world, The Rock and Tom Cruise, would have better better performance but i got them in in their rare bus which do happen it's a risk sure. we all take but i still stand by my my draft strategy yeah. i would it do it good, again it was a good strategy for sure if you if your uh if your owner doesn't fire you, you you have something working towards uh in the next draft i think so but guardians is worth 33 points uh which is a great start and that'll that will continue to, to rise um but baywatch at the moment 
just creeped out of the negative range. It's so that's, neg- that's negative that's 45 good. points. So actually, <laughs> negative 30. No, it's sorry. worth, <laughs> at the moment, Baywatch is worth uh, just under a quarter of a point. So that's, that's point good. Point five. And, uh, and the mummy, the mummy did okay overseas. So you're going to get something out of that, but Rotten Tomatoes just crushed it. So right now it's worth 0. 0.6 points. So you're sitting right around 34 points at the moment with uh, War for the Planet of the Apes. Yet to come for you. That's I'm still I'm still Yeah, that one's gonna I'm not in it to win it. I don't think I can win, but I can knock it last. Maybe. If if War of the Planet of the Apes is solid, I can knock it last. It's gonna be it's gonna be a fun race. I've still got Spider Man homecoming and Dunkirk headed my way. So I feel feel pretty good about it. It's not in Richard's game now. Brian's already won this <laughs> yeah. thing. Yeah, so yeah. I'll so I'm start gonna start thinking, thinking about movies, of yeah. uh, terrible things to make you guys uh, watch and see who wins. <laughs> Brian is worried. Another Excel me. sheet yeah. with two tabs <laughs> yeah. on it. One Just says another woods, tab. the other says minions. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he starts woods. building them. I would love to do a minions podcast by oh, myself. Man. It would be explicit. So- yeah. It would be worth it. It would yeah. be worth it. Not in an angry way, but in a weird sexual way. That's what's upsetting <laughs> to the listener. It is. It's just confusing. It's very confusing. I'm just confused for 30 minutes. I just don't even know what to say for 30 minutes, actually. Um, I'm a little worried about Transformers. The performance, yeah. the yeah. buzz performance. It seems like all the ones that come out, it's just it's kind of like Fast and Furious. It's like, oh, it doesn't matter how really good it is it's got a fan base they're gonna go see it and there's gonna be another mm-hmm. one next year you know um yeah it's gonna I don't perform know what to, i don't know what to think about it i don't know yeah. i don't know if it's gonna perform i don't know i think if it's it will a, but but i don't know what your rotten tomato that that may that may kill you on that so we'll see we'll see I how don't it goes know. despicable me three is your is your your ace in the hole as it were like that's the one that can yeah be, i think I, allies on me is gonna be is gonna be fine is gonna be well received but i don't know that it's gonna make that's where i was money. betting on rotten tomatoes more sure. than on money um sure i all eyes on me kind of worries me too i i think wonder woman will be number one again and i think all eyes on me will be in the top three this weekend just because of the buzz about it um it's like two and a half hours long though so that might turn people <laughs> away but uh, I think it's going to have a, a strong audience, whether that's, you know, I think maximum we're thinking 30, 40 million dollars for All Eyes on Me. I think that would be its peak, <laughs> you know, it's its ceiling. But um, I'm worried about Transformers and I think Despicable Me 3 can bottom out at 65% on Rotten Tomatoes. It'll just be like, sure. yeah, the kids love it. It's fun, you know, mm-hmm. whatever. Yeah. And that'll be kind of, I maybe I can ride that one into the sunset. but. Um, Transformers is my biggest concern at this moment. I thought that was my, my biggest shoe in, and I only took it in the second or third round because it it defies everything I'm against as a human. (laughs) Um, I probably should have drafted Transformers first and then waited for Alien, uh, later, but you know, I'm surprised Alien didn't make more than it did because it was fine. You know, it wasn't like panned or anything like that. It was actually Mm -hmm. critically well received. I'm a little, I guess Alien just has a really small but dedicated fan base more than, more than, um, you know, blockbuster kind of fan base. You know, it'll be, there'll be solid little sci-fi movies from here on out, but they won't ever be the $100 million opening weekend movies, you know, and this, that's the proof, I guess, of it, you know? Sure. So, no regrets, no regrets, but uh, it, it's, um, it's a tight race. It's a tight race. I'm sitting at two and a half points, but again, I have had one movie come out. Right. And we'll see. Yeah. We'll see. Okay. So speaking of 
Rotten Tomatoes, and box office performance and such, there was an article that came out this past week. The AV Club put together uh, a little article titled, Hollywood is Terrified of Rotten Tomatoes. And this is a really good read on avclub.com if you want to check it out. But they quote Vanity Fair, and Vanity Fair did a or got their hands on a study commissioned by 20th Century Fox called Rotten Tomatoes in the Box Office. And it just kind of talks about the power of Rotten Tomatoes and the word of mouth. And their quote says, Many millennials and even Gen Xers now vet every single purchase through the internet, whether it's restaurants, video games, makeup, consumer electronics, or movies. As they get older and comprise even larger share of total moviegoers, this behavior is unlikely to change. And my kind of response to this, and I'm going to get y'all's thoughts on it, is we're just kind of taking advantage of the tools that we have, you know? Um, before, there wasn't a lot of, you know, uh, I guess you could have your local paper write a review. And it was right. all up to, you know, what, what does Gene Shallot think? Well, if you don't like Gene Shallot, you're not going to care what he thinks. You know, that was really it. There wasn't really a way other than your local paper to get people's opinions or professionals, quote unquote, opinion on movies. Um, I'd consider Rotten Tomato kind of a service because, I mean, we see everything. We'll see it if it's rotten, fresh, whatever. We see everything. We do the show. We'll talk about anything. But the average person, if they're going to go out to a movie, you know, say they go mm-hmm. to two, three movies a year, max, the average person, um, they're probably going to go on some kind of website, whether it's Rotten Tomatoes or not, and look at reviews, and if the reviews say stay away, they're probably going to stay away because they have the ability to research that beforehand, and they have that literally in their pocket with the, with an iPhone to be able to to make those decisions and save your money more than anything, you know? Yeah. And uh, movies such as The Mummy this past weekend, such as Baywatch, such as Pirates of the Caribbean, um, all underperformed largely because of the, the bad negative press that they got beforehand in big you know, people were saying like, stay away. Maybe Baywatch had, had they embargoed all the reviews until after it came out would have performed better the opening weekend, but people kind of got the word of mouth ahead of time. And on the opposite side of the spectrum, Wonder Woman did huge numbers and it surpassed, I think 90% on Rotten Tomatoes. And that did help it. I mean, obviously it helped it. The positive word of mouth helped. But it's just the, uh, you know, the word of mouth always has existed, but now it's just faster than ever with Twitter and the internet. And uh, how do you think, Brian, that Rotten Tomatoes is really, really affecting Hollywood? We like to call it, you know, just talk and fun internet chatter, but is it really affecting the bottom line for these for these companies? I think it is, and I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing. Any. It- Rotten yeah, Tomatoes make, make good movies. Yes, that's that's yes, yeah. that's exactly that's the if they're main exposing point. Hollywood basically. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, the the main point is just straight up because you see these something like this comes out. I don't know, once a month or once a quarter, you see either a big article about the the impact of Rotten Tomatoes or you know, like Brett Ratner made a big deal recently and complained about Rotten Tomatoes and how it's ruining the industry and stuff and. Always, my response is is just simply, especially when it comes to the bigger movies, like little movies, it's a little different because of opportunity to see the movies, of advertising to know what the movie is, et cetera, et cetera. But for the for the tentpole movies, the blockbusters, the bigger budget stuff, the stuff that is being advertised uh, when you're watching 
a sporting event or uh, HGTV or whatever, for the most part, if you make a good movie, people will go see that movie. There's always going to be examples of, of films that kind of fall through the cracks. And then there's always examples of you know, edge of tomorrow was a great example. Like that did not do very well here, despite uh, a hot, you know, a lot of advertising campaign, a big advertising campaign. It had good Rotten Tomato score and stuff like that. And then the vice versa of that is there's always a uh, Transformers that's probably going to get 17% on Rotten Tomatoes and it's going to make a billion dollars. So it, it's not the end all be all. And I, and I would say in a perfect world, you would use Rotten Tomatoes as like part of the toolkit of trying to decide what you're going to go see. Um, but like you said, can't like it's really easy for us. Uh, we're gonna, we're going to see these movies no matter what. When we do these reviews and do these podcasts, I think a big part of our audience is not they're they're not like us. They don't get to they don't get to go to the movies every single week, two or three times. Sometimes that's a lot of the people that listen to us are, you know, they get to go to a movies once a month, maybe twice a month. They've got to pay money for babysitter or they have to carve out time from work schedules and all this sort of stuff. And those people should have the right to know what they're getting themselves into. I, I don't think that you should, I think it becomes a problem when you, when you exclusively go by what Rotten Tomatoes says. If you say, if you look at Rotten Tomatoes and you say, Oh, Rotten Tomatoes said this movie is bad. Therefore it is bad. Um, I think that can be a problem. You should go see the movie that you want to go see. But if you're using Rotten Tomatoes as a guide, then then great. Now come out with your own opinion. You know, if you go see a movie that's rotten uh, on Rotten Tomatoes, and we're, we're going to do some of these in our 300th episode, we're going to be talking about um, guilty pleasure movies and, and stuff like that. If you go see a movie that is poorly reviewed and you think it's good, then by all means, come out and say that it's good. And and the reverse of that as well. Draft Day is fresh on Rotten Tomatoes. Draft Day is a terrible movie, and no one should ever see Draft Day and <laughs> whoa, like Draft whoa, Day. Whoa, 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 um, so, whoa. spoiler alert, whoa. it's awful. And so, like, I don't think it should dictate how you feel about a movie, but as a, as a tool, as part of the equation of trying to figure out what you're going to spend your money on and your time, um, I don't, I think it's a good thing. I think it's a, it, it should drive studios to make better films and and if nothing else to kind of segment whether they are going exclusively for the international market which maybe isn't quite as discriminating and what is being geared towards you know our audiences and stuff there's there's no reason why um studios should be afraid of rotten tomatoes other than they're putting out crap movies that's that's the you know at the the bottom line is if you make a good movie we will go see it if you make a bad movie there's a pretty good chance that people here aren't going to see it. So anything that drives you to try to make good movies, I think is a, is an acceptable thing. They should start just bribing critics to give them fresh ratings. Oh, on they Tomatoes. totally That's do. their I mean, only that option because yeah. that will happen. B- bef- yeah, yeah. It, it does happen occasionally. And, and if you're a DC fanboy, you would say that that's happening all the time with Marvel movies, which is again, as always, if Mar- if Marvel and Disney want to pay us to give their movies good reviews, l- please let us know. Uh, we're, <laughs> we're totally down for that, but, um, you know, just make a good movie. That's it. Just make a good movie. Before they used to be able to just pull a fast one on us. You know, we didn't know any, you didn't know any better, mm-hmm. but now it's, it, it is too easy to find out. Richard, what are your thoughts on this? I, I, I really echo a lot of what, a lot of what Brian said, but I, I will say, you know, you're right. It's a total movie score. What what Rotten Tomatoes doesn't give you, and uh, you know, the, mm-hmm. a there's the common thing of it's not one to one hundred on a scale. It's 
what percentage of you know mm-hmm. uh, critics liked this. We talked right. about that, right? So if if a hundred percent of critics thought it was a C plus, it's a hundred percent of Rotten Tomatoes. Um, so it can be misleading in terms of the overall quality of a movie. But it's useful to see if something's really direct or not. Normally, there's not a whole lot of great films that are ten percent of Rotten Tomatoes. It just so that mm-hmm. it's good to weed out. I think more information the better. But what it doesn't give you though is context of right. You know what? What you know? Some things normally the the kind of in, intelligentsia or whatever critical mass. Uh, I don't mean that in the math way. I mean the mass of critics uh, that that they're kind of slow to come around to context. Like um, something like Fast and Furious, you know, Fast Five is like what whatever eighty five percent on on Rotten Tomatoes because they finally kind of got that. Oh wait, this is kind of campy on purpose. They're going for this, um, but it took a long time for them to really get that. And it, and not not that Fast and Furious always was that, but they're kind of the last ones to know. And so a lot of times the audience will be like, "No, this is fun. We enjoy doing this." And then the critics come around on like the next type of thing like that. Uh, so sometimes it's a little delayed. But then there's things that are just kind of no matter how many times people see it, they, they, you know, people hate on critics and they hate on media in general or whatever. And I suppose in some weird way, which is odd to think about that we're sort of part of that now, but, uh, that they do fight the good fight on like stuff like transformers (laughs) historically, not necessarily transformers, but transformers two through eight, uh, in that that when you go back and look at these movies, they'll be like, yeah, they made $17 billion, but every critic said they were, (laughs) they were horrible. Um, that's a good thing on the whole. Yeah, all they've really done is just take the uh, Siskel and Ebert thumbs up, thumbs down, and spread it across every critic and giving them that power, you know, and averaged it out. It's very smart for them to do that. I'll admit, unless I see it on Twitter or otherwise, I won't look at the score until after I see the movie. I I really do try to for it not to affect my... um, my thought before it, uh, there are movies that I have enjoyed and, and have hated that, uh, are the complete opposite of, of what Rot Tomatoes has to say about them. And again, sure. we encourage on the show, form your own opinion. If you like it, great. Then, uh, tell us why you liked it. If you didn't like it, then great. Tell us why you didn't like it. It's very easy. We try to do the same on the show, regardless of, of anyone else's opinion. And I feel like for the most part, we've, come up with our own opinion and backed up why we didn't like a movie and enforce why we do like a movie. It's, it's very simple, but, uh, the, the kind of one downfall is it really kind of like what Richard said. It, um, there's, there's, you can say a movie is not bad and it's, it's fine, but that doesn't mean it's fresh, but that's what your score would say on Rod Tomatoes, you know, uh, like, uh, this movie would be great for certain people, you know, or other words, <laughs> And that could be considered a rotten score, you know, like a certain, only a certain audience would like this very niche kind of a movie. Um, so it's either great or bad. And so that is kind of the precursor to going in and looking at that. But uh, it's just interesting how it really is affecting what we see and, and hopefully in a good way. Hopefully this leads to Hollywood opening their eyes and spending more time on quality movies. You know, that's all we can hope for is more enjoyable stuff and less bad stuff. And mm-hmm. Rotten Tomatoes has done a pretty good job overall of kind of exposing them. So hats off to them for that. Okay. Speaking of exposing them, uh, let's talk about the mummy after this short break. Boom. Hey, what's up, ma'am fam. Kent here. 
And yes, if you're hearing from me, you know it's time to talk about Blue Apron. If you haven't tried out Blue Apron by now, what the heck are you even doing? Blue Apron is the number one fresh ingredient and recipe delivery service in the country. They deliver fresh meals straight to your door. All the food is fresh. It's sourced from local farms. And there's no wasted ingredients. I've been a Blue Apron subscriber for a long time now. And they have still, to this day, never let me down. There's tons of variety. Some featured upcoming meals include summer vegetable and egg paninis, soy glazed pork and rice cakes, skillet vegetable chili with cheddar drop biscuits, holy crap, and garlic butter shrimp and corn with green bean salad. So take it from me. Try out Blue Apron now. Go to blueapron.com slash mad. That's blueapron.com slash mad. Get three meals on us for free. Nothing goes better with a movie than dinner. So check out Blue Apron, blueapron.com slash mad. Blue Apron, a better way to cook. Hey, ma'am, fam, question for you. Do you own a small business or are you a boss? Are you looking to hire awesome people, but you just can't find somebody to fill that role? Well, let me tell you about ZipRecruiter.com. With ZipRecruiter, you can post your job to 100 plus job sites all with one click. In fact, over 80% of jobs posted on ZipRecruiter get a qualified candidate in just 24 hours. Find out today why ZipRecruiter has been used by businesses of all sizes to find the most qualified job candidates with immediate results. That's why ZipRecruiter is different. Unlike other job sites, ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you. It finds them. Right now, you can post your jobs for free on ZipRecruiter by going to ZipRecruiter.com slash mad. That's ZipRecruiter. Dot com slash mad. One more time, try it for free. Go to ziprecruiter.com slash mad. Thanks to ZipRecruiter for supporting this episode of the Mad About Movies podcast. So this is the first of apparently a lot of Universal Pictures <laughs> Dark Universe movies. And it doesn't feel like the first to me. This feels like the fifth in a series where you're already making a billion dollars a movie and it doesn't really matter how good it is, it's going to make money. You know, um, this is a frustrating one for me because I do think this could work uh, in a lot of ways. I, I do think the Dark Universe could work. It's worked before, you know, some of the most classic movies of all time are Frankenstein and Dracula and The Mummy and The Bride of Frankenstein. And the Invisible Man, and so many, so many others that uh, have really set the precedent for suspense and horror in uh, in Hollywood. So I'm not against the idea of rebooting that and doing and re envisioning that, and Universal literally just taking advantage of the properties that they own. That's totally fine with me. Uh, this seemed lazy to me in a, in a lot of areas. Um, I can't can't criticize this movie for bad direction or for bad, you know, execution of action sequences and things like that. But I mean, the screenplay and the kind of tone of the movie really just, it frustrated me a lot. And I was kind of surprised here and we're going to get general thoughts now, just a few general thoughts. Cause we have to spoil stuff in this movie to, in order to really talk about it because there are some, you know, hints to other movies and things like that, that I want to discuss very soon. But wouldn't want to wouldn't want to spoil it. So general thoughts. Um, this movie it shocked me because it was one of the only movies ever, maybe the only movie that's made Tom Cruise 
utterly unlikable. Like I did not like Tom Cruise <laughs> as a as a character. His Nick uh, Morton or whatever uh, didn't like him in the movie from the very first scene we see him in, where he like they're in the desert and he just like cuts the water supply as a joke. <laughs> like I already hate this guy, you know. Within <laughs> two and a half minutes of meeting him, I don't like this guy, and he has one moment where he could totally redeem himself, but doesn't. And I was screaming almost at the screen during that part, but um, it didn't really let Tom Cruise be Tom Cruise other than the action scenes. Uh, the plotting was very convenient. There's one plot device that they use just whenever they feel like it to get from point A to point B, very MacGuffin-y and uh, frustrating as well. And it's just kind of disappointing because this is the first in a lot of movies, apparently. And if this sets the standard, I'm kind of nervous for what is to come i'm very nervous for what's to come uh like i said if this is the fifth movie in a series and we had one or two or three fine good to good movies already i'd be okay with this and i'd probably you know have a different opinion but this was the one that they went out with uh to begin with you know they were very confident that this was going to launch a franchise of movies if not an entire cinematic universe of movies and (laughs) it couldn't have gone more poorly actually it could have but it's hard to imagine $30 million for a Tom Cruise summer blockbuster being any worse uh, performing than it, than it was. So from that aspect, it's frustrating, but you know, I, I can't say I'm surprised. Honestly, I can't, uh, Brian general thoughts. Yeah. I love Cruise, and I know, uh, Richard and I have a little piece we're putting out in the, the newsletter will be out sometime this week. And we just kind of went over the career of Cruise and, I love the guy, and I I know that's that's kind of makes me odd at this point because I think I think his day may have passed him by, and that and that bums me out a little bit. Um, I don't. So look, I I I like the star. I don't necessarily care. I don't really care about the old Universal monster movies. That's never been something that was uh, a big uh, a big plus for me, or, or something that I was really into. But I, I'm not against. I think it's a good idea to try to reboot them because um, it's been, I mean, some of these movies, I mean, we're talking like a hundred years on some of these movies are close to it. And so I don't think it's a terrible idea. Um, if this movie is any indication of what this universe is, is going to be, then, then I don't think that it's going to last very long because this is a very poorly planned out movie. I don't think it's nearly as bad as uh, what the aforementioned Rotten Tomatoes would have you believe and and I, I kind of went over some reviews this this afternoon and, and looked over what some of the critics that I like had said and and I don't disagree with everything that's being stated I I've seen a lot worse movies and I've seen a lot worse movies this year and so to me this this movie almost falls into that that category that I that I hate the most which is like there's it's not good but it's not completely terrible and therefore there's just like there's not really much to even say about it it is to your point can it's a really that that may be my biggest point is this is a very bad starting point for a franchise or a series or whatever you want to call it this is you know they bring that dark universe logo across the screen at the very beginning and you're, you're like, just oh, like this is serious oh, yeah. oh okay, okay. we're we are all yeah. in on this man and and i just to be honest like i said i don't think that this is a terrible idea um this universe and this didn't cost just a ton. I think it cost $125 million to make, which is a very reasonable amount of money in this day and age. But I don't, I, 
I guess the next one needs to be the the decider in some ways, which is is it Bride of Frankenstein? Is that the next one, or is it Wolfman? Bride of Frankenstein know. is the only one confirmed, but Gosh. it's the only one that doesn't have a star yet. But oh, um, the other ones have stars, which we can mention here a little bit later. But yes, Bride of Frankenstein is technically the the next one in in this. I don't. I guess my point is as much as. I don't think this is a terrible idea, but I also don't know if there's a, if there really is a market the way that they the way that Universal seems to think that there is a market. I don't know that Dracula and, and Frankenstein's monster and Visible Man and the creature from the Black Lagoon and Bride of Frankenstein and any of the rest, Fan of the Opera. I I don't know that they have a whole lot of cultural cachet at this point, and I don't know that anyone really cares all that much. You know, I kind of said the same thing about. I said the same thing about Godzilla and King Kong and all that, and I was proven wrong with Godzilla. And I, I love Godzilla. I, that, that, uh, that was a really, I really enjoy that quite a bit. You know, Kong Skull Island was, I was fine, but I, I don't think that performed the way that they had anticipated. I just, I'm not sure that that I, I, I understand that we live in the this current form of Hollywood. We're all about reboots and remakes and revisiting stuff that's been proven to succeed in the past. And, and so I don't even, it's not worth fighting that anymore to me, but I don't know that this is going to play out all that well. And and so look, maybe the next one changes that opinion and it comes out and it performs well and it's a better movie and the buzz about it is better beforehand. And, and maybe it's Cruz's fault. Maybe Cruz just drives people away at this point. I don't know. Maybe it's a combination of all those things, but re- regardless, that was what struck me more than anything else about this movie it was really less about this particular movie as just this whole universe. I, I don't know, man, I don't know that this is, I don't know this is going to go the way that universal thinks it is. And if this is what you're going to try to build upon, you are right out the gate. You've got a super shaky foundation. Um, and, and some of it I think could have been fixed pretty easily with, uh, with, but just better scripting and, and a director who um, has done something may, maybe knows how to direct. <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I don't want to throw Alex Kurtzman, Kurtzman under the bus completely, but it is hard to walk out of that movie and think that it was anything beyond anything better than poorly directed. You know, like that might be generous to say that it was a poorly directed movie. And you know, there's a lot of screenwriters involved. I just, I don't know, man, I was excited about this movie a month ago and as the buildup has come, I just been like, I don't know. I'm not really sure that this is going to hit the right note. And I don't think that anyone on board this project had an idea of what the right note was. It's a, I don't know. I, I'm disappointed. I don't, like I said, I, I'm, I've gone on forever. I apologize. I, it's not as bad as I, as Rotten Tomatoes would lead you to believe, but it is also not anywhere near uh, something that I think you can base a whole franchise off of. And that's going to be a major problem. Richard. So first thought, uh, I'll go for a second here too. I, you know, the first thought is pretty good couple weeks for the DC universe. Cause now they're, you know, Wonder Woman hits and then now they're not the most kind of confusing cinematic universe, uh, going in Hollywood. So that's number one. Number two, uh, kind of piggybacking on that, you know, DC taught us that sometimes it takes a couple movies to, get it you know and who knows if that means that the rest of the um 
the rest of the DC universe will will be good or even watchable. But sometimes maybe it will be the third movie that is or fourth movie that is solid. So you stick with something until you kind of figure out the formula. Um, but the the I remember and not to keep I'm not trying to dogpile on DC. I'm just talking about cinematic universe. But remember when we talked about with the 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 single most confusing thing about DC was um, when they were marketing these movies was uh, the Suicide Squad was essentially marketed to children and Batman vs. Superman was marketed to like grizzly taxi driver fans. And, uh, <laughs> and I don't, I never understood why, if you can't make that, if you can't figure that simple thing out, that Suicide Squad should probably be more adult themed and Batman vs. Superman should be a little more child friendly and you clearly don't know what you're doing. That, so that was kind of like the bellwether thing of, of that, that the people running it were kind of clueless. Here's mine on this. Uh, I have done some research here, which is rare for me, uh, some extensive research. And, uh, and I, think, I think you guys will be interested in, um, in what, I, what I've come up with. Uh, it, I've looked at lots of different calendars, and everything I'm looking at is telling me it's June, it's June 13th. Is this correct? Yeah. 2017, huh. yeah. June, like the summer June, yes. <laughs> and you you wouldn't you wouldn't release something like this in September October when it's Halloween time for your monster universe. Yeah, like you can't yeah, figure bad, that bad out. Planning, like right. or, or even Bride of Frankenstein's you, date is February of 2019. This is so <laughs> stupid. Like if you can't if you can't figure that out, that hey, we're gonna build this whole cinematic universe off of essentially. Creatures that have not necessarily been represented in film in 60 years, but that children still dress up as every October. Mm. Uh, June, I think we'll start at June 10th. And then, you know, it's like, okay, well, you're fired. Um, you just need to yeah. walk out, clean out your desk, Jeff. Um, it's just such, it was such a weird <laughs> timing. Like, it didn't fit as a summer movie at all. This would be way more acceptable as like a kind of bigger and it wasn't like it was uh well we've spent 400 million dollars on it so we had to put it out in summer it's like like you said yeah, brian it's yeah. a modestly budgeted blockbuster mm-hmm. now it didn't yeah. it will uh, make money because maybe it's it because has made a lot overseas but it's because the brendan fraser ones did so well in the summer maybe that's why maybe but those were also independent movies this is starting yeah. a essentially mm-hmm. halloweeniverse mm-hmm. and you're releasing yeah. it in june it just seems so silly to me I just yeah. couldn't believe I was sitting there watching this kind of, you know, monster film, horror film for a mass audience. And I'm sitting here. It's like, it is June 11th right now. What is going yeah. on? Um, so uh, it, to me, it's like that already shows that they have no idea what they're doing. But like it could be maybe we'll get a cool, you know, Bride of Frankenstein movie or, or God, you know, who knows. But uh, but this one was and it's a bummer. I think, uh, yeah, Cruz wasn't the right fit for this. His character was terribly dislikable, and we'll talk into the specifics in the movie here in a second as we go into spoilers. But um, you know, it does look like he's going to bounce back. He's had a couple bad ones in a row, but that movie he has coming out, uh, American the Made, drug- yeah, yeah, American Made looks awesome. So if that's good, Cruz is back, and he needs to kind of. I I think he would be. I think this was a totally agreed move on his part, where it's like Tom, you know, you've got Mission Impossible, so there's your franchise. So let's let's you're not. You're not 31-year-old Chris Pratt anymore where you can double franchise it. So why don't you why don't you just focus on this and then just do some cool kind of mid-level, you know, more adult marketed because you are in your 50s movies like American Made 
in between your Mission Impossible movies, and we'll all we'll all still go see Mission Impossible. You don't need a second franchise. Um, but I and I, I like Brian Love Cruise, and uh, he definitely brought it in this as always. He does not uh, he does not uh, give half uh, strength in anything, yeah. but uh, but it was just like a total waste. And I do also feel. I don't think this made any more money because he was in it. If this was, if, gosh, I'm trying to think. Guy Courtney, Brendan Fraser, not Brendan Fraser now, but the equivalent <laughs> of what Brendan Fraser was in 1999, hot off George of the Jungle. Um, yeah, yeah, I'm trying to think who would be yeah, Jai Courtney. If this, no, if this is Jai Courtney. It this movie would have just exploded. Be a billion. This be the new Avatar. <laughs> I don't know, but uh, yeah, but yeah, it's just confusing. Just that simple. I was sitting there. I didn't really occur to me until I was in it, and I was like, "Why the heck am I watching this in June?" That simple decision t- tells you everything you need to know about the people running this. And let's rethink some stuff. But I'm with you, Brian. I don't think it's an awful idea to make this try to make this kind of a universe. But I think you do it at a mid level budget. You know, somewhere between eighty and one hundred twenty-five, depending on the movie. And yeah. you put them out in the fall, and you, yeah, and you and you just. You just and, say every fall there's going to be a Halloween box. Yes, Done. yes, and, and take it. You know what? Having seen it, I would not have said this before the movie, but having seen it now, just go all in and make it R rated. Make it a ninety million dollar movie. Claim October fifteenth or whatever every year, and just say, look, we're not going to like, we're not going to go so far hardcore all in on like, we're not trying to do the Babadook or it follows or something, but like, this is going to be a traditional, uh, scary movie. If not horror movie, like blade or just do it. Yeah. Just do it. And, and, and be bold and say, we, we are claiming this date pretty much every year for the next five years. You know, like we have bride of Frankenstein in 2018 and we've got the invisible man in 29 and just go all in because this, this kind of tap dancing around the PG 13 R line is really stupid and frustrating. And I think it, I think it leads to some of the more troubling problems with this movie as a whole is just this like back and forth between Oh, it's we're we're going to be pretty uh kind of kind of gritty and show you some pretty disgusting things on screen. But oh, hold on, we're going to tell you a little joke and lighten the mood immediately in a really stupid way. I just go pick a side, pick a side, and go all in. Yeah, it's very frustrating. I think a little bit, uh, just kind of echo the DC sentiments, and we'll get off this tangent in a little bit. I promise. But I do want to talk about just the cinematic universe they're building before we talk about why they shouldn't build the universe in this way. Uh, they've <laughs> in the same way DC did, they, they've kind of overcommitted themselves. They've announced 25 movies before even one had come out, you know, uh, can't you just, I, I remember specifically when Marvel came out with, and I hate to make this comparison because it's the easiest comparison, but when Marvel came out with Iron Man and then they came out with Thor and then they came out with Captain America, they always got asked the question, Kevin Feige at Marvel always got asked the question, well, are you guys going to do the Avengers? And he would always say, we would like to someday, you know, if the, uh, you know, the character, the characters are accepted enough to do it and, you know, the fans want it and things like that. Yeah, we'll do the Avengers. But they never said yes until, you know, they had the confirmation, they had the proof backing them up box office wise and fan, you know, appreciation wise. Four years sober from Downey. Right. Okay. Downey's been sober four years. Let's do it. (laughs) This one's going to stick. And instead of this, where they've already basically signed on five movies uh, before the first one has even come out or 
performed decently. Like if this had come out and then they were like, and this made a hundred million dollars and it was, you know, not great, but if it was kind of accepted among a certain crowd and then they would have said, uh, Oh, by the way, we're having five more movies. Here's who's going to star in them, whatever. Maybe they would have reaped the benefits a little bit better, but they announced all that prior to any of this coming out. And maybe, maybe the universal people saw this movie and were like, this is awesome. Let's do more of these. And they just have bad taste. And that's a whole nother conversation, which is, uh, something I don't want a road that I don't want to go down, but it's, uh, it's a little concerning that they've just kind of, they're all in on this already without even one, um, being successful at the box office. So the next one, uh, like I said, that's only confirmed is Bride of Frankenstein and that's February 14th, 2019. So it looks like they're taking 2018 completely off from the dark universe, which if you're going to start a franchise, you should probably have one or two of these in the can before you start rolling them out. But uh, actually, what happened, and this is no joke, and this is another point I wanted to make, is, Brian, you mentioned that you don't think there's a market for these. There really isn't a market for these. They've they've released a lot of these in the past, in the past couple of years. Uh, they released The Wolfman a couple of years ago. Remember that? That didn't do very well. They released yeah. Dracula Untold with Luke Evans, yeah. which was supposed to be the first movie in this dark universe, but uh, they didn't end up doing that. That came out in 2014. Uh, Aaron Eckhart starred in I Frankenstein, which completely flopped. And, um, and so there's kind of already the proof there that the, you know, the, the interest the, level just isn't there, uh, but for the subject matter, for the material in and of itself. But, but to piggyback on our subject earlier, all of those are bad. So right. it's, it's not proof of if we made a good one, would there be an audience? See well, they didn't I mean? make any so, money either though. Like no, the interest level point. wasn't there. But I'm yeah. telling you, th- I'm talking about we were just talking about ten minutes oh, ago. Yeah. If it was good, the interest level would be there. Because if it was, if you, if Wolfman was ninety five percent on Rotten Tomatoes, I get, I, I bet it would have made two hundred million dollars. So their their point is, if we can make these good, which by the way they haven't yet, I'm just saying I get the appeal of like, okay, let's really put some money behind it because all of those were like February release kind of crap. You know, Wolfman was two years delayed. And they're all, yeah. they all flopped. Don't get me wrong. But I think the studio's thinking is, okay, let's regroup. Let's put a single narrative through all these in some ways. Let's make them good. Let's put $125 million behind all of them. And then pe- people will want to see it. That doesn't mean they're right. But I don't think you can, because all those movies are terrible, you know, uh, you know I, Frankenstein, <laughs> and, and the like, uh, it's hard to know if the, the statistics of the box office are significant or not, or whether all those stats are kind of moot. I guess so. Yeah, it's a, it's kind of a cart before the horse sort of thing or chicken before the egg. Like what would if you made those movies good, would they make money and would that then tell you that you can that you can make these movies or is it because is part of the problem that there isn't a market for what they're trying to sell and then they, they are made, you know what I mean they like made I, Dracula I untold that, though. Like they, that was well, them. I know. Like, but <laughs> you know? but to Richard's point, all those movies are are crap. It's not just that they have. Dra- it's not that they have Dracula or Frankenstein or Wolfman in the title. It's that they're also really bad movies. And so, I I, I don't know. I I think there is a. I think there's a market for it. I just don't think it's the type of market that that Universal thinks that it is. Does that make sense? Like, I think this is a type. Not fast you mentioned period. we talked about a. Yes, we talked about Alien earlier. I think this Alien covenant is going to end somewhere around 200 maybe 225 million dollars and that 
should be kind of the I think that's kind of the benchmark for what this sort of franchise is. And it made good money overseas, so maybe you're talking these movies come out and they make three hundred million dollars. Okay, if you make them good, then maybe they would jump up to three fifty or four hundred million dollars. And you put them at Halloween? Like yeah, if you if you had a clue as to what you were doing with the release schedule. But I don't it's not I think Universal thinks that they this is gonna be their Marvel or their DC or their Which Star Wars or whatever, and it can't be. I, I I don't think. I don't think that that market is there the way that they right. I don't I don't seem think it think is either. Is. Uh here's another I'm with example. You. I don't of, think there's a mass market, but I do think there's a two hundred million dollar market, right? And just just keep yeah. in mind all these movies were better received than the mummy. Uh, the I Frankenstein, which is, the Dracula which is crazy. Untold. Uh, here's another one, Victor Frankenstein, which was I think last Gosh. year that came out around Halloween. Yeah, wasn't and that one the the Max Landis one was, that just yeah, just no, uh, you know, Daniel all over Radcliffe, it. Daniel Radcliffe, yeah, and McAvoy. James McAvoy. Yeah. Um, I literally thought yeah. Victor Frankenstein and I Frankenstein were the same movie until you. No, I mean they've, like, they've this has been. I guess tried on several different ways, several different tones to do it. Like the completely R yeah. I Frankenstein. And then like, okay. let's do a, let's do a more kid friendly. Let's get Harry Potter himself to be in this. And that didn't work. Um, I Frankenstein is the one that really, that the, I never saw that movie. The previews made it look like that fake movie in the entourage movie. That, uh, the Aquaman. Yeah. That Vinny Chase is yeah. in. Yeah. That Aquaman's in like that weird, where he's the DJ and then it turns into some scene out of the, out of blade. It's or called something. Aquaman in the movie in entourage, isn't it? No, 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 no. That's no, in the TV series. Yeah. Oh, okay. In the movie, he's like, he's like evil Inferno DJ. or something, yeah. whatever it is. Yeah. yeah. Something like that. Maybe they're all vampires or something. Yeah. That's what I Frankenstein looked like. That's the same exact thing. 3% on Rotten Tomatoes, by the way, for, I Frankenstein. Wow. Is that good? That's, that's great. I don't understand the metric, the matrix um, so, metric. So it's just, uh, it is crazy. It's crazy to think about, uh, that, uh, by the way, we should kind of talk about who they have committed to this. So they have mm. Javier Bardem confirmed to be Frankenstein's monster for this series. He's in full getting them checks mode. Apparently. And just, mm-hmm. yeah. I don't want to have a tax bill or Selma's expensive or something. I don't want to have to hear him call him, call it Frankenstein, because you know he'll trill the R in there, and I can't stand that. I'm just I'm done with that. Uh, they have. We get it. You're Spanish. That's yeah, awesome. exactly. <laughs> um, we have Russell Crowe uh, confirmed for Doctor Jekyll and Mister Hyde. That shouldn't be a surprise after this movie. And we have Johnny Depp as the Invisible Man. <laughs> <laughs> so the white face paint will be worked into that somehow it's like they, yeah. they just, Gosh, they just like throw a bucket of paint us. and that's how they white paint and that's how they see him you know it would be great though if the whole thing was a troll job and the trailer comes out and he's like sneaking around invisible and then every person is just like what's that yeah johnny <laughs> why is that scarf floating <laughs> yeah he refuses to take the scarf they always smell him coming that's the <laughs> That's his Achilles heel throw. He's like, oh, are you invisible again, Johnny? <laughs> There's just liquor bottles flying around everywhere. Oh, like, no. you, it smells like spoiled Pinot Noir and like <laughs> musk in here. <laughs> oh, I thought it was invisible. And uh, I guess the only other rumor is they have Angelina Jolie rumored to be Bride of Frankenstein, but she hasn't officially joined the movie. Yet, well, she's on point. a hot streak, so that's good. Yeah, that's when you she got nothing you to have lose. Peak Jolie. Yeah, it's just like Maleficent. It's like who looks like Maleficent? 
Angelina, Angelina Jolie, you know, <laughs> who looks like Lara Croft? Angelina Jolie, <laughs> who looks like the Bride of Frankenstein? Angelina Jolie, like she's typecast <laughs> just because she has like exotic beauty, which is yeah. perfectly fine. But that's kind of her trick at this point. And they have, again, uh, Phantom of the Opera might be remade, which I don't understand because that Gerard Butler one was actually like pretty good. You know, yeah, it wasn't they, bad. With Emmy that Rossum was like the and, perfect thing for uh, Shoemaker, Joel Shoemaker to make. Uh-huh. <laughs> like he's such a frustrating director and he was like but you're the exact person that should make phantom of the opera that's great thank you <laughs> here's one but the, but the phantom has nipples now here's one that um <laughs> if this doesn't come out at halloween i don't know i'll be very confused creature from the black lagoon solid um, march spring break release yeah fired up for it <laughs> fire that one in you know the cold dead of winter would be great you know um, apparently Guillermo del Toro has been trying to do that movie for a while, so maybe they'll bring him on board to try to do it, but who knows? Um, and <laughs> this is, this is just has flop written all over it. They're trying to remake the Hunchback of Notre Dame, the horror movie version with, uh, in this universe. And that just seems like a horrible, horrible idea. Um, mm. so we shall see. All right, um, let's talk about this movie. Oh, Van Helsing, too. We're trying to reboot that. Gosh, stop. Yeah. Stop with Van Helsing. Yeah. Agreed. If I see Van Helsing, I swear to the <laughs> Lord, I will slay him. Die. Wow, they already Die. have a promo pic taken of the Dark Universe cast together. Have you seen this? Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. yeah, I just saw that. Oh, yeah. that's not... They're all in, man. They're they are all freaking in. They are. This is not great. Not great. Okay, so I love that though. Like, oh yeah, here comes your and we and granted we're jerk critics because we we crapped on DC for rushing movies out. But I do love they're like, yeah, welcome to the dark universe. New logo, cast pick, <laughs> cool, right? All right, see you in three years. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like great you gotta marketing. have some of these in the can, like to be able to just release them. Yearly, or at least a cast. My yeah. gosh, you've got to be able to tell me who. <laughs> okay, weird or director or something. Yeah. Um. Okay. Maybe start there instead. So, uh, you know what? Actually, the kind of prologue to the Mummy, I didn't mind. Like everything before the opening title screen or whatever. Everything before we meet, um, Tom Cruise, I didn't mind. I kind of like the setup of the Mummy. The fact that she was the heiress to, you know, Pharaoh's throne, but um, he had a son, so they had her killed. You know, I, I didn't mind that as a setup to this. They buried her alive and all that. Uh, I, I didn't mind that. I was like, wow, this is a pretty decent setup for a hey, mummy movie. And then as soon as Cruz comes out and he slices the water and then he's like, we're having fun here, no? And they, they go down, they have this kind of, jaunt around uh you know they basically destroy a a city in iraq um for no reason other than looking for um other than looking for i guess antiquities what do they call themselves like the the uh guardians of antiquities or something like that they had some kind of clever title for their little group or whatever them and jake johnson and ghost um, before he's ghost jake johnson Zombie or whatever. <laughs> I mean, as, it's confusing on what sort of supernatural this has, way. Has there been Coming anything this cringier room. this year than than Zombie Jake Johnson? I mean, it was every time I saw it, I was like, oh, 
I was like, is is this I don't is this zombie land? Like are we Yeah. And he's still not with Jess, which is the worst part. <laughs> are we watching Swiss I didn't Army hate Man? Zombie Jake Johnson. Oh, I hate but, it. Hated yeah, it. I didn't I didn't hate it, but it felt like it was in a different movie than what was happening on screen. You know what I mean? Does that yes. make sense? Like it it was so dryly trying to be dry comedic and it was it this is I not a movie that at all. i i think it was trying to play that and it i, I don't i don't think that that's oh, what I was happening it, it on came screen. off very earnest to me i could be wrong okay. i'm willing to admit and i'm i'm not nearly the film watcher you are i thought they were yeah. honestly bringing in with no i mean i can't imagine he would do it without giggling but they were honestly trying to bring in zombie jake johnson as a quasi relief plot yeah yeah, I took it as a bit, and but that makes no sense for this movie, and that was part, that was like part of my big problem is like you can't do that at the same time as have really really aggressive uh, mummy zombie stuff happening. Like that's that doesn't fit together. But they yeah. use it. I mentioned a little bit earlier how convenient some of it is. They use it every time Tom Cruise needs to go to another location. Boom! There comes Jake Johnson putting some kind of vision in his head. Oh, we need to go to the church. That's where the scepter is. Oh, we need to go to London and meet this yeah. guy. Oh, you know, every time the plot needed to move from point A to point B, they just use that little device, which I guess it's smart to do that, but also not. I mean, I didn't work for me at all, but um, they really, I guess they couldn't have thought of any other way to get to those to point A to point B. So like, well, what if we bring Jake Johnson back as a zombie and he tells him to go there? Okay, I'm sold. Um, I don't know. Apparently, he Jake Johnson trained for like five months to be able to do the stunts with this because he was super embarrassed that Tom Cruise could do all the stunts and he couldn't. I mean, he feels like it's worth it at this point, right? This past weekend, he's like, man, five months of my life just to train to do this movie, totally worth it. Um, now people see me seriously and I'll be the next. Right, movie. exactly. Um, It's so funny. They find the, you know... They accidentally discover the article of antiquities or whatever the the, the the tomb of the mummy, and they they find the coffin. When there, there's some fun little jump scares at the beginning, like with the the bugs and with oh yeah uh, all that kind of creepy crawly stuff. I, I think that kind of works for these kinds of movies. And um, at the beginning, they had that, and so they discover the mummy, the sarcophagus, if you will, and. <laughs> They discover it and they're like, "All right, let's bring in the army," <laughs> and and the army comes in, and then they cut to like a helicopter flying the sarcophagus out of there, and then it cuts to then the girl uh, character who um, was um, very purposeful in this movie. I mean, she served a lot of purpose. Um, yeah. Just, oh, I I'm going to talk about that later, but. Um, it goes from showing the helicopter flying the thing out to her saying, uh, you know, there's people like loading it into a truck and she's like, please be very careful with that. It's 5,000 years old. Well, why did you fly it out on a freaking helicopter? If, if you're wanting to be delicate, like it was the most contradictory, here's how we're going to handle the situation type of thing. And that was like the, you know, three seconds apart. Those, those scenes were so, uh, didn't work for me. Uh, that way, I don't even know why they took took it away. They never explain why they actually take the sarcophagus out of the tomb. 
in the first place, you know, to go study it or something? Or like, was there some kind of bounty for it or anything no, like that? Like, why couldn't you study they, it right then and there at the place? Why did you have to take it in anger of the gods? You know, be, obviously they knew that there was some kind of supernatural something here, but um, I don't know why they, like they, obviously they were going to anger the gods if they did that. I understand this is a movie or whatever, but if you're scientists or whatever they are, um, you, I think you would know better than to disturb a tomb yeah, it, like they did. <laughs> it's because it's because they're in unsafe territory. It's because they're in enemy territory. Yeah. Uh, okay, they, they have like a Pretty line rough. of exposition yeah. of like we got to get out of here before the yep. bad guys come back. So they that can't kind stay of thing. And do their stuff on it. Yeah, they're, uh, when they're when they uh, get to the actual plane when they're flying it out of there, there's a line of dialogue where she where um where she says, you know. Uh, this thing has been dead for 5,000 years or, or for 2000 years, but she clearly like mouths 2000, but says 5,000. So there's probably <laughs> something that they went back and were like, wait, that doesn't make sense. We need you to go do <laughs> some their research. After yeah, the we, fact. we yeah. need to go do some ADR and cover that up. But five and two, the way your mouth moves looks nothing like each other. So I was like, wow, that was obvious that they overdubbed that. Um, that was lazy. Why? It's like the screenplay messed up the, f- the first time. They didn't catch it on set, and they couldn't reshoot the scene. So they had to do that. Um, that was bad. And there's a bad exchange. Like, apparently, Tom Cruise hooked up with her at one point, And there's, like, four references where they just keep going back to, like, them yeah. hooking up and, and it like, happened like three nights prior yeah, and, and they it, act like they've had the greatest romance of all time that was and, and her thing, you know faking an orgasm and things like that and they just kept kept coming back to it and like we don't care if if they're a couple or not actually we hope they aren't a couple richard cared <laughs> but i think this was a d minus film but an a plus romance i mean the chemistry <laughs> There was zero chemistry. I don't know. I don't know. Um, that was frustrating. Apparently, they changed the look. I didn't mind the look of the mummy itself. I thought it was, you know, like, wow, it's a girl mummy. Wow, it didn't look like I thought a mummy would look. But apparently, they they saw, this is a true story, the filmmakers saw X-Men Apocalypse, and they had to change it to a girl with a different look, because it was going to be a guy that looked just like Apocalypse from X-Men. <laughs> Um, I'm very curious to see what that movie would have been. I wonder if that would have been any better than this. I can guarantee you it wouldn't have been, but it's just funny that uh, that's what they had in mind for this and had to change it at the last time. I was like, wow, they're being really cool and progressive and inventive. Nope, <laughs> they were going to do it the other way, but they kind of had to change it because of X-Men. So that's funny to find that out. The best X-Men, too. Yeah. Um, It's also funny that Tom Cruise has like seven visions before he like says or admits that something weird is happening too. Did you notice that? Like, I think something's happening. Well, you've had like 12 visions with this making out with this mummy chick and planes are crashing and birds are flying everywhere. And there's spiders, every rats and crap. Um, I don't know. I I would have thought he would have been the first person to say after the first thing to say, guys, I think something, I think something's wrong. You know, (laughs) I think this isn't normal. And then he, sense of the word but uh that was that was weird what did you what did you think of the overall kind of plot devices that uh kind of carried the movie brian and just kind of the story in general here 
before we get to like the, the spoilery stuff. <laughs> yeah. Reveals. Yeah. It's not great. It's not great. It's not, a, it's just not a good script and it's not paced well. And there's too many MacGuffin-y things. And there's a lot of these, uh, they're plot devices, but they're not very well fleshed out. And so you, you just kind of, you, you are moving from, from scene to scene. I guess it moves pretty quickly, but that's because they're running. I the think whole time. it's because, <laughs> yeah. And, and it's because there's never, an oper- they never take the time to develop anything. It's just, all right, we got to move here and have a almost rape scene. And then we got to move here <laughs> and kill these police. It's just like, I don't know. I, I just, I understand. I, I don't know. I understand the concept of what was trying to be accomplished, but I don't think it was, it was done well at, at all. And I just, I don't know, man, I feel like the plot could have been cleaned up pretty easily. I, I did like, to some extent, I, I thought the the stuff with uh, with Russell Crowe with what's his name, Doctor Jekyll, and that lab and whatnot. I thought that was kind of a cool concept. It just comes out of nowhere though, and so it doesn't really it doesn't really feel like it flows with what's happened up to that point, which makes a lot of sense because I, it, in a lot of ways it feels like each individual scene for the first at least the first half is kind of, it feels like they've been directed. Each scene has been directed by a different person. Like it just, it has no uh, flow or connection from, from scene to scene and that's plotting and directing and, and some bad acting too. I, I don't know. I, I, I was cool with it in the moments when um, I, I, I didn't hate Cruz with Jake Johnson and I didn't hate the stuff in the Dr. Jekyll's lab. I did hate most of the stuff that happens between Cruz and I think her name's Annabelle Willis. She's, she's all Wallace, excuse me. It, in her defense, she certainly was not given anything to do in the negative column for her. I, I don't think that she can act. So that's, you know, that's not great. That's not what you, it's not what you really want. Um, especially when she had a lot of screen time and, and, uh, didn't, uh, didn't necessarily make a great accounting for herself so anyway it, it the plot was not the plot just needed to be cleaned up in every which way and and really i don't know streamlined into something that is watchable that, that, that's better yeah it's just better <laughs> yeah um she annabelle wallace wore a shirt with an outer shirt the whole time and i can't stand that i'm done I'm done with that <laughs> ditch the shirt ditch the outer shirt the end of the world is happening. You're, it's it's inconveniencing you, if anything. Okay, you know. All right. Okay, we'll get. It worked in Jurassic Park. That was it. We'll, We're done. We'll get rid of you know, all Shel- outer shirts. Sheldon wears two shirts too. Kent, <laughs> I hate that. Uh, we'll we'll get, we'll get rid of all outer shirts in action movies, but. Every action movie for the next five years has a file scene in it. Are you? Will you accept this? I hate file that? scenes with folders, and I hate pointer dude, scenes. Dude, I was waiting dude. for it in this movie. I was Gosh, too. I was waiting. How for is there it, not dude. one when they get to the lab and Doctor Jekyll's like, "Here's the monsters," and you like open up a file and it's like the Wolf Man, right. it's yeah. the Invisible Man, all that. Yeah. You know, there was one. That was here. a much better way to do it than a file scene. Like when he walks in the lab and you see like the creature from the black black lagoon's arm and some vampire teeth and things like that. That was a cool way to just open up the dark universe, man. I really, you know what? I, I don't mind Russell Crowe as Dr. Jekyll or the reveal of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, but man, I didn't like the physical transformation part of it. I thought you really could have played that a lot cooler if it was more, he transforms his personality, you know, 
like it was written in the book, the Robert Louis Stevenson book. I just think he could be a lot smarter with that character because it's such a cool story. But when his face is turning green and he's turning into the Hulk, basically, you know, I I don't know if that's the version I would want of that character. I mean, it didn't surprise me that that's what we got with this kind of blockbustery thing, but it's a really good opportunity to do some really cool, like Heath Ledger Joker type stuff, you know, and I don't know. They kind of they kind of ruined it already for me. If they spin it off into its own movie, I don't know if people are lining up to see that after what we saw with this. And I hated when he put his hand like on the scanner and it said Jekyll, and then he put his hand again and it said Hyde. You know, I did not like that at all. I I thought maybe it would have been cooler if he says his name's Jekyll and he, you know, he says his name and then he transforms into this other guy and. You kind of have to figure out for yourself, like, oh, that was Jekyll and Hyde, you know? Like, it's a really cool kind of Easter eggy kind of thing, and then you can spin it off and do its own thing, and that'll be like, oh, that was from The Mummy, oh, it was so in your face, like, this is Jekyll and Hyde, you know? Um, Like, they wanted it to be such a big player in this that, I don't know, I didn't, I don't mind Russell Crowe at all, like I said, but I don't know if it worked for me. It worked, it did not work as well as it could have worked, that's for sure. Could have been smarter. By the way, dialogue written... Or one of the screenwriters, David Kep, Brian, who we, mm-hmm, who's the master mm-hmm, of dialogue yeah. that we talked about in yeah. Spider-Man a couple of weeks ago. And the fact yeah. that he wrote Jurassic Park is shocking still. Like, I can't believe, like, <laughs> the dialogue is easily the worst part of Jurassic Park, but still not, <laughs> yeah. like, offensively bad. Like, everything else he's ever done has been. So, <laughs> yeah, David Kep's kind of the guy, we may have talked about this before, David Kep's the guy you bring in when your script is crap and you just need to get it to make it filmable. He's not going to come in and rewrite it and make it the greatest script that's ever been read, but he can hopefully get it from this is unfilmable to this is filmable. You look at his credits and I think that that theory bears out pretty well. Jurassic Park isn't, is an outlier (laughs) big time. I mean, he's got some other decent films to his credit, but there's a lot of this sort of thing where it's just like, Hey man, we, we've got this script. It did not, uh, it didn't come out the way we were hoping. Could you just, can we pay you a hundred grand to come in and just kind of mess with it? See if you can piece it together. Oh yeah, sure. I can do that. That's, that's kind of his role. I think at this point. So at the beginning of the movie, when the plane with the sarcophagus crashes, which is a pretty cool scene, I guess it's maybe the, peak of the movie and I wish I hadn't seen that in the trailer 50,000 times beforehand you know but uh you know Tom Cruise like saves her saves Annabelle uh from the crash like put straps her to a a parachute and you know uh saves her life and she's kind of in love with him for the rest of the movie because you know he saved her life and everything and like oh I thought you were this jerk who just hooked up with me one night stand kind of a thing but you're actually this sweet guy who would do anything to save me and um, they have this like really romantic moment where they're like sitting out, I think it's outside a fountain or something in London. And uh, she says that to him, you know, oh, I'm, you're so sweet. You saved my life. And he turns to her and says, I thought there was another parachute. Like you're the worst human <laughs> being ever. That was his one moment again to totally redeem himself and become a likable character yeah. again. And they crapped all over it. The screenplay did. Like, mm-hmm. I hate this human. I want him to. <laughs> I I want him to be the mummy. And in fact, that's what I thought was going to happen in this movie. Was 
she was going to, and they kind of hint at that a little bit, you know, like at, at the end when he destroys the mummy, uh, she, you know, make, he makes out with her, like sucks her soul out or vice versa or something like that. Um, I thought she was going to transfer all the power into him and then he was going to become the all powerful being or what have you. And they were going to lead that into the mummy two, the mummy three or whatever with Tom Cruise as the, the big bad, a all powerful mummy villain. I thought that's where they were going. It didn't happen. And so this leads us to more talk about the dark universe, but whatever. And also they don't have a post credit scene here. In this movie, this would be the easiest movie to do a post-credits thing and tease other movies. No. They don't do that. And the reason being, and I quote, that's Marvel's thing, unquote. Or because you don't even have a, a person cast for your next yeah. movie that you've announced in 18 months. It could be that. Right. It could be that. Right. Um, okay. Well, and it's funny. Uh, Javier Bardem, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, Tom Hardy, and Eddie Redmayne were all rumored to play Jekyll and Hyde before Russell Crowe was there. So imagine the Eddie Redmayne version of this. Mm. I think we've seen it. It's no, called thanks. Jupiter. No, Sunday. thanks. No, thanks. Yeah, I'll pass. <laughs> <laughs> um, I guess we'll maybe see where we go after this. Where do, where do you think it, it's going to go, um, Brian? What do you, What's the... The biggest, so I guess, is Bride of Frankenstein the the uh, the next step? You know, it feels like there's going to be a couple movies. There should be a couple movies between that and between this and Bride of Frankenstein, but I guess it's not happening. But um, I can only yeah, hope. Bride that, of Frankenstein seems like a strange second step to me. That's that's odd. You would think Frankenstein would come really out before that. Bride of Frankenstein, but yeah, um, that kind of feels a little bit like doing like we're gonna <laughs> the first marvel movie is iron man and the second one is hawkeye it just seems like a strange depo- i don't know i don't know that's it seems a little odd to me dude i have no idea where this is going that might be the that might be the biggest issue with the movie is it, it just kind of leaves well now he's gonna go off and try to from the desert figure out how to get rid of the curse but by the way jake johnson's alive now I, I, that was a that was the most phoned in jam seven endings together kind of ending that you could possibly come up with. I, it was, that was a, in a very disappointing movie, that was an even more disappointing ending than should have, than we could have expected. I think also one more thing is, uh, when the girl dies, Annabelle, uh, Tom Cruise is like extremely upset about it for some reason. Yeah. He, he <laughs> literally met her four yeah. days ago. Yeah. And you told her you didn't care. You thought that she was going to die. Like, or you thought, mm-hmm you weren't going to save, you weren't trying to save her life on purpose, but then that's the biggest plot point of like, I've got to save this girl. You know, if there's a chance to save this girl, I'm going to risk my life again at the end. Mm -hmm. Uh, That just did not work in any, any capacity. Uh, Okay. I'm going to grade this thing out at uh, D, I guess. It's not F or F minus minus minus, but it's not good. It's not a C. It doesn't pass. It's a D for me. Richard. I'm going to go with... I'm going to go with a D plus. Okay. Brian. I'll go just a just a little higher. Mostly because I... I don't know. It was only two hours long. That's a plus. Um, and it was... 
you know, I didn't hate myself the way I have in some of the other Please movies that this. we've. Yeah, I mean the the reasons that I hated myself were my were me. Yeah, you had those going into the film. Yeah, yeah, right. As yeah, you should. That's all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. So and so- Sophia Batella was fine. I thought she was pretty interesting as the mummy. I guess so. I will go with a straight C. Okay, let's uh, hit a recommend here real quick. Weekly recommends. Okay, Brian. I am going to recommend a movie that came out earlier this year that I that we enjoyed. We talked about it on the show. It is now out on DVD and Blu-ray and all of the streaming options that the kids use. And it is the Lego Batman movie, which is by far the most fun I've ever had in a DC movie, even with Wonder Woman. I, I like Lego Batman. Not necessarily was a better movie, but was a, so much fun and also made fun of the terrible universe in which it exists, which I like that, too. So go check that out if you somehow missed it earlier this year. Richard, how about you? First off, I have confirmed different Paul McGuigan. It, the Good. one that directed the movies is like 10 or 15 years older. But the same okay. name, though. Yes. Okay. A pretty common name. <laughs> yeah. Very okay. weird. Not, yeah, but his credits say that. It's yeah. So yeah. yeah. Gwigzy, sorry, Gwigzy. Yeah, you need to fix that. You need to call somebody at Rotten Tomatoes <laughs> and get that that confusing tidbit of trivia removed. Go ahead. Uh Richard. I'm gonna recommend a book that came out today. We talked about it on Twitter and uh but it's a book by a great movie critic in uh Washington DC and Hornaday it's called Talking Pictures uh how to watch movies and it's uh it's really cool it's laid out interestingly each chapter is what to look for in uh a screenplay uh you know directing production design editing acting kind of things to look for in examples in films I'm not a film critic guy uh besides the fact that I that I talk to you two but I I mean I'm not the most advanced film watcher but Anne Hornaday's a great I am I do love to read and write and she's a great writer no matter what she writes about and uh, has really interesting takes on movies and so uh, I highly recommend Talking Pictures out today it's her first book I believe um and it's it's as all things she writes excellent and I, what about you I am going to recommend a television show uh The Office I don't know if I've ever officially recommended it on Weekly Recommends before but I've gone back and started my my first rewatch of the show since it ended. And, uh, man, might be the best sitcom of all time. Uh, I'm a Seinfeld person. I'll probably say that it's the best sitcom, but The Office is just so, so good. And, I mean, right around season three, right around the branch merger type thing, it's just, it can't miss on it. You know, right when Jim and Pam... Uh, start to start their relationship and everything. It's just gold every single episode. Steve Carell is brilliant. Rain Wilson's brilliant. John Krasinski's brilliant. Uh, BJ Novak is brilliant. Mindy Kaling comes into her own, of course. And it's just, I, I mean, it's flawless, really. And uh, I love the show. And it's been a really fun time going back and retro- retrospectively watching it. And, um, there's probably, I mean, The Office ended, what, four years ago at this point? So there's probably people that have listened to the show a lot and that never watched The Office and saw it. It's all on Netflix. It's a great show to start from day one, episode one, and work your way mm-hmm. through it. Uh, there's really no excuse if you have Netflix to, to not do that. Um, you won't regret it. It's some of the best comedy writing out there, some of the best comedy acting out there. And we did do an episode on it. I know we've gotten requests for, for people to, for us to talk about that show. We did an episode on it. In the first year we did the podcast, uh, right when right when the office ended, 
So you might have to go on the website to find it or Google Mad About Movies, The Office, and I'm sure you'll be able to find it. Rants and Raves, I think, is what it was. And uh, good times, good times to uh, to go back and watch. I'm still working my way through Game of Thrones. I've got like six or eight episodes left until I'm caught up. And because I actually want to be a member of society this year, so I have to be caught up on Game of Thrones if you want to be a functioning member of society. I've learned that in the yeah. past. And uh, so that's good. And, and Silicon Valley has been strong this year as well. And I'm, I'm caught up on that and um, have enjoyed watching that. So that's just what I've been watching on TV. And I've been watching The Office as I go to bed and just really, really enjoying it. And I don't want it to end again. I know I'm going to cry, but I don't, want, I don't want it to happen. But um, I, I wish I finished it probably went, like man. my sixth rewatch uh, late oh, last year. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's it, it's still every the episodes that always get to me emotionally, they still do. Like, even though I've seen them so many times. So I pretty much always want to be watching either The Office or Parks and Recreation. I just go back and forth from one to the other. And I have to force myself to watch other things, really. Yeah. Yep. All right. Um, where can we find you online, Brian? You can find me on the Twitter at BGill12. You can find my writing at madaboutmoviespodcast.com and the Mad About Movies Podcast newsletter. Richard, where can we find you? You can find me at Richard Barden on all social media or the Mad About Movies Podcast newsletter, which will be out, wow, as we record this within hours. Uh, Kent, where can I find you? Find me on Twitter, Instagram, website, Snapchat, Kent Garrison, and find our, our podcast on iTunes. Leave us five stars. If you like what you hear, and we will be returning in two days or one day from now, actually, to discuss ET. So uh, be be yeah. prepared for our ET conversation. Enjoy that over the weekend. And next week we'll be talking, I believe, All Eyes on Me, the Tupac movie, unless Brian <laughs> pounds the table for Cars Three, which could nope. possibly happen. No, I'll no be chance. seeing Cars Three, but but I'm not <laughs> going to subject you guys to that. Thank you. Appreciate that. Uh, so we'll, we will be back next week. Uh, until then, we'll see you at the cinema. Goodbye. Goodbye. Hey, baby, I hear the blues are calling. Toss salads and scrambled eggs. And maybe I seem a bit confused. Yeah, maybe. But I got you pegged. <laughs> but I don't know what to do with those tossed salads and scrambled eggs. Calling again. Scrambled eggs all over my face. They're making me ya ya. The salad is scrambled eggs. They're calling again.